everybody, Robbie here, and welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. And in this episode, I'm joined by Joey Owen. Joey's formative training in drama and in theatre for development instilled her with the ability to unlock people's innate creativity and confidence. With that skill, she has enriched the lives of people and communities around the world. Joey's part, I'm delighted to say, of the new team of hosts on the Coach's Journey podcast, but in this episode, she's answering my questions about her remarkable life and career, describing the adventure-driven steps that led her from training in theatre for development to founding Freedom to Learn, a charity that improves access to education for children in India and Nepal. She describes how the foundational listening skills and work around confidence that helped her to work with communities in rural Asia now underpin her work as a coach, and how spiritual practices she developed in India allow her to connect deeply with people from all walks of life. Uh, We get into in this episode how to access a deeper sense of connectedness and to work from the heart, the creative processes that we can use to build confidence, insight seminars and the courses that can reveal our natural coaching abilities, lead generation tools for new coaches to use when building their business and the way Joey talks about that is incredibly practical and there's a a tool in there and a way to think about this that that is applicable for anyone who wants more clients. The client's Joey does a great job of dispelling that idea that there are no clients out there, just with one story, really, about about a lead generation tool that she used. Um, And she talks beautifully, as she did when we we all met together for the episode 56 that introduced the new host team, about the way our work ripples out from our clients to the benefit of everyone around them, including us. Um, And I love the way that Joey talks about that, as I say to her in, in the episode. Joey also shares about the daily rituals that keep her steady in her work and help her to develop a profound sense of empathy and connection with her clients. So as well as being one of the host team on the show, Joey was one of the first members, I think the second ever person to sign up to become a member of the Coach's Journey community. So I'm incredibly grateful to her and to those other people who are early to sign up, like Henrietta, who was a guest on the show, um, Natalie, Sean, um, who, who were there right at the start. Um, for helping show me that the Coach's Journey community could be a thing. Of course, now the Coach's Journey community has been running for, for years. There are some amazing testimonials from members on the website at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. The uh, new host team, including Joey, have, have all been members of the community at some point. So you get a sense of the kind of amazing people that are that are part of that group and 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 the feelings uh, the feeling of being on those calls is something quite special incidentally if you check out the coach's journey youtube channel or you go to the coachesjourney.com and click on the videos page you can watch a recently recorded um special uh coach's journey community call uh, recorded specially so that people could um get a sense of what it's like to be on those calls and what group coaching with me is like so do check that out um if if you'd like to we'll put a, a link in the show notes of the episode um, you know, but but mostly the Coach's Journey community now, it's worth saying, as well as being an amazing place to develop uh, your coaching business, to develop yourself, to be connected to other people in some really magical ways, it's also a way to support the show. So if you're interested to do that, you want to be coached by me in an affordable, flexible group coaching program, but you also want to help make sure that the Coach's Journey podcast continues to grow, continues to reach new people so that more and more coaches have the businesses they need to support them to do the amazing work that really matters. Um, you can find out more about that at thecoachesjourney.com slash community and sign up. Um, you can also become a supporter of the show, give a small amount of money every month to to support this, to help help. Uh, the Coach's Journey adventure keep going. Um, big thanks, like I said, to those people who were around at the start, like Joey, um, and to um, you know everybody who's supported the show over the years, but particularly to Joey, to Ruth Savile, to David Norris, um, and to Alex Whitten for your ongoing support. Um, and, and then we want to get on with the show. Um, look, there's so much to love about this conversation. Um, as, I, as I've discovered, I think I mentioned it in this interview, I, I think I mentioned it to Neil as well, 
each time I get to interview one of the host team of the show, it allows me to look at them through the eyes of somebody who's not their coach, um, not just a member of a team running a podcast, but but somebody interviewing them, researching them, thinking about, you know, what is interesting about this person's journey? And there's so much about Joey's journey that is interesting. Um, it's, it's fantastic to get into the detail of freedom to learn, the amazing work that's done there, as I talk about in the episode, um, when I forget myself briefly at one point, like the volunteering opportunities really captured my imagination, inspired me. So, so make sure to check out that on the Freedom to Learn website and, and just so much about the amazing work that that charity does. Um, but there's loads more from Joey in this one. Um, there's, there's, like I say, the conversation about lead generation. There's, she has a beautiful calmness on pricing when we talk about that. She's had her prices for coaching higher, but brought them back down to the place that feels right for her. Um, she talks beautifully about her chanting practice, which we get to near the end of the conversation, um, when we're also talking about Tina Turner. Um, and, and all of that overall just, um, you know, reflect on Joey's testimonials, the beautiful things that people have said about her work on her website in, across the, in the interview. But it's just worth saying that again from this conversation, I really got that, that feel for why is it that this particular coach, Joey Owen, creates those kinds of testimonials. And I think you'll really get a feel for that in this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did to have it. Um, yeah, and... It's absolute pleasure and privilege to get to introduce to you, Joey Owen. Joey Owen, welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Thank you, Robbie. Hi. <laughs> it's lovely to have you on the show. Um, for some reason, what went through my mind just as I was saying that is one of the things I always do um, uh, when I've got guests on is do some research. And I always tr- like, obviously I go to people's websites and then I always usually do some like, just some like free internet searching. And I got really excited because there was like two SoundCloud pages for Joey Owen. Um, and I'm guessing they weren't you. They were these kind of fantastic, well, one was like a, one was like DJ mixes and one was like some kind of fairly heavy uh, metal music with a male vocalist. So that's not you? <laughs> not me. No. Okay. No <laughs> shame, because I think um, it was with Mike Toller that I discovered that he'd once been like I can't remember what movie it was. He'd once been in a movie, um, and I discovered that by finding him on IMDb when googling ahead of interviewing him, which I didn't know before. People can check out that episode um, to find that. Um, but Joey, it's like it's such a such a pleasure to be interviewing you in this way. Um, we've known each other quite a while, which we'll probably get into, um, and I'm very excited to be welcoming you you know, as a guest on the show, but also as a part of the team. Um, and um, it's been very exciting to have the, the coach's journey moving on in this way. And, I, I, you know, I've recorded the interviews with each member of the team, which are coming out over this year, in a mixed up order of what they're coming out. So I can't remember who I've said this to and whether that's been out for listeners before. But one of the things is to be, is to get to look to see people in a new way, right? Because when you're, when I'm doing research as an interviewer, it's a really different way to seeing people as a friend or as a coaching client um, or as just somebody you know, right? You, you get into it and you start reading their website as, oh, this is an interesting thing to ask about. And what about this thing over here? And we might get into that and, and those things. And we were joking about it before we switched on. But one of the things I was just really struck by, you know, we've had these conversations before in coaching calls and coaches journey community calls, like your testimonials on your website are awesome. And they like, I just, when I was reading them, I was like, Jesus, like, I don't know, they just gave me a great feeling. Like we could, people can go and read them themselves. We'll put a link to your website in the show notes. But it was a lovely, you know, I just got this, you know, and I've had it with all the all the host team as I've researched and, and interviewed them. 
just a sense of what amazing people they are. But the, the test, and we can, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about freedom to learn and the other things you do later on. But the the testimonials just gave me a lovely feeling. So I'm really glad that you've been doing that work, and it's lovely to get to tell you that publicly now here. Oh, thanks, Robbie. I think we should go back and read them. Um, yeah, well, they were all wonderful people who sent them over. So yeah, and and we should go back and read them. I think um, as coaches, but it's hard. Like I don't know. When you go back and read the testimonials, do you feel it in your heart? Like, because when I read your testimonials, this is really interesting. When I read your testimonials, I felt it in my heart. I was like, wow, what a thing for that person to be writing about Joey. And I can just like imagine the feeling that they had. And and when I read mine, I don't get that feeling in nearly the same way. Oh, I think I, I can tune back into, I'm just thinking of the ones on there, you know, Jenny and, you know, I I tune right back into kind of where we were then and how that was. And yeah, I really enjoy it. No, I don't, I don't know. Feel it in the heart. Yeah, sometimes I re- I really rarely go back and read them, Robbie. You're actually reminding me that I, I probably should. It's, really? it's a good thing to do. I know um, a fellow coach who actually keeps a folder and he he dips into it every so often when he needs to, just to remind him, which is a lovely practice. Yeah, yeah. I have a Word doc with a load of of my testimonials in. And when I had the books coming out, I, I started, I tried to put because it's really clear with the books that that was one of the things that the real success for my books was um, people doing things that they wanted to do and not done for a long time. So I, I tried to keep a list of those. And yeah, I do need to go back and read them. But even reading like our websites, I think is something I never do. You know, somebody just yesterday on LinkedIn pointed out to me that some buttons on my website don't work. And I was like, I'm pretty sure those buttons have, have been the same since the website went up in like 2016. Like how come they, but I've never go on my own website and explore it as a customer, which again, is probably a thing. We should do right because again you can kind of put on the hat of interviewer or customer or potential client and and then read it yeah and that's but that's the that's a bit of a thing isn't it because that's the business side that's like the outward running a, a practice side of yeah of how to run a business whereas i think more what where where we really all want to be working is to coach isn't it so oh, we yeah. don't tend to go back. We don't want to do the admin and go back and look. Invitations maybe is one thing or or talking about referrals, but actually going and doing all that clunk, more, what feels more clunky to me anyway, checking websites and social media and all the admin stuff. No, thanks. <laughs> Bottom of the pile, I will. Yeah, maybe we need to come back to this as well. But it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the website does to me feel a little bit like, oh, phew, it's done. I don't need to do it anymore. Um, and I don't think it always felt like that. I think I used to kind of want to try and speech marks, get it right. But for quite a long time now, I've been delighted to leave it. And every now and again, I have enough of panic that like it's out of date or I, you know, it'd be better if it said something a bit more relevant to the work that I do now that I go and update it. But mostly all I do on it is add new articles. And I guess when the books were coming out, I had to, I had to fiddle with it quite a lot. But yeah, going. I mean, I, it's coming. It's kind of coming for me, Joe. I don't know. Like my website, like I said, really, I made it in twenty, I think in twenty sixteen, late twenty fifteen, and I've changed the skin of it once because when I when I launched the twelve minute method book, like you know, on on menus where you have like the menu across the top mm-hmm. for the twelve minute method books, I needed the twelve minute method one to have like a little sub menu to it, and the w- website thing that I had on Squarespace couldn't do that, so I had to update it. But really, other than adding content and tweaking it, I mean, I have tweaked it a lot over the years, but I'm I'm definitely due. It's, you know, it's what, eight years old. I'm due a refresh. How how old is your website? Five years. Probably five years. But the um, 
you are reminding me. We should say out loud here, it might be useful to anybody listening, go and check your website reasonably regularly because our Freedom to Learn website got um, hijacked somehow with just masses of Chinese script and we lost, we had not backed everything up and we lost tons of pages on tons of content from our Freedom to Learn website and had to rewrite the whole thing about two years ago now. Okay, so very annoying, probably useful to rewrite it. Yeah, it was it was a useful process to have to go through actually, yes. And it's much more succinct now and, and much more user friendly. But go and check it because if you don't check it much, it might have disappeared and you wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely check it sometimes. I mean it is interesting, isn't it? Like or we need or we need to finally listen to one of those people who hassles us on LinkedIn and says, I can sort out all your website problems. No one ever does that actually. They're they're not interested in sorting out my website problems these days. They're interested in giving me lots of leads. Anyway, Joey, this is a little aside, yeah, which of course, is. aside's very welcome at, at the, on the coach's journey. Um, but tell me, Joey, let's let's rewind a little bit. We'll get to freedom to learn, I'm sure, because that's a big part of your work. But when did you first come across coaching? Ah, oh, well, having uh, listened to many of your podcast episodes, I had an inkling you might ask me this, Robbie. Yeah, it's not really a um, secret, is it? No, it's not. It's a good first question. And Actually, I think it's. I was kind of thinking about this last night. It's a there's a double answer, because really the first time I heard of coaching was I went along to um insight seminars, and the reason I did that was because someone else who was a coach but I hadn't realised I just thought of him as a trainer. Um, he does some wonderful work actually, Tom Flato, and um, he suggested Landmark Forum, which I still don't actually know much about them but I googled them and when I did I saw that they were beyond my price bracket at the time this is 2017 maybe and I looked at instead the next one down was insight seminars and they were not for profit which perked my interest a little more and I was interested so um it was a three-day course insight one and um, I was completely new to it and I just booked and I went along and um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Insight Seminars. I think you might be. Through I, ben. I am a little, th- yeah, through Ben, who you're probably going to talk about in a sec. But, um, but for people who aren't, I guess there's two questions that come up for me. <laughs> One is, can you tell us a little bit more about what Insight Seminars and I guess from what you know of it, what Landmark Forum is. We have talked a bit about that on the show. I think Bill Small talked about, I think Bill Small talked about Landmark um, and I made him talk about it a bit because we hadn't, I realised we hadn't really talked about it on the show. Um, somewhere in the back of the show, we'll, we'll see if we can find that. We've definitely talked about it more, but maybe a little bit about those two things. Like, And also what brought you to them? What had you looking for Landmark Forum in 2017? Oh, I think I was... Okay, this is why it's a double answer. So I'm going to go back a little more. So back in 2004, I did a master's in theatre for development. And before that, a few years before that, my degree had been community drama and film. So I've always been interested in development and creative ways to to develop better communities, better people, people communicating better, people problem solving, ways for us to evolve. And then I work. Then I've worked, and we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about freedom to learn and other organisations and projects that I've worked on over the years. And when I came to this in 
2017, I was looking for how, really, how I could work in a different way, more one-to-one. And actually, I was looking to, oh, I remember now, I was looking towards psychotherapy. Because initially, I was going to do, I always wanted to do drama therapy. And um, because of circumstances, you know, I had my daughter, and so it just didn't quite work out. And theatre for development seemed a really wonderful thing to do. So, and the opportunity was there. When I then was talking to a colleague of mine's dad, Tom Flato, I knew he did lots of training work and um, and something around. I didn't really know the word coaching or I don't think I realised. I'm sure I'd heard of life coach, but I'd not really thought about I know, it. just didn't really enter my sphere of thinking. So he was suggesting these courses going on a, a landmark forum course, I think partly because they are encouraged to encourage others to bring them along and also because I had witnessed it. I was actually co- coaching, it turns out, with his kids as a, as a doing drama as a, a tool for that. Um, so I'd known him for a while and and I witnessed it change his life. You know, he tra- he really did transform a lot of things. He developed a really thriving business. He actually um, was the founder of a fantastic music festival where we live as a result of the work he'd done with them. So I was interested in something like that. That's why, really. Mm. Um, but Landmark is, it's a, it's a bit more of a monetary investment, like I said. So it just, I don't know, I think it was one of those instinctive things. Insight just came up underneath. And I loved the way they wrote um, about what they did. And I just booked. It wasn't, it was really sim- as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And and I really had no clue what, what I was walking into and not didn't really know what to expect. But I just wanted something different. And I think I wanted a flavour of what I used to do more of as a participant rather than a facilitator. And so did you, the word coach, did it show up? It, I, do, I don't know about, I've never been on Insight, although I have like uh, like Ben Carter who, who introduced us originally. He's a um, former client of mine. He... And I know his wife really well. We've done work together and they've both been to Insight at different times. So I know some of the impact of it. And I know people, I've heard people talk about it lots, but I, I've never been. And I, so so what, can you give us some kind of flavor of those three days? And also whether the, when and whether the word coach showed up at that point? No. So I'll just start with the, the stick with the coaching part, because actually it was because Ben was assisting on that particular insight one. And, and that's what you can do once you've been through the, their seminars and you've done some work with them. You can go back and you can assist as a volunteer and help them facilitate. So you can kind of be part of the facilitating team. And Ben was uh, on the first one that I went to. And um and I didn't know what coaching, I didn't really think about anything. But that evening, I looked him up because he said he had a website. And I saw he was a coach. And that's the first time I heard about coaching. <laughs> I'm not even sure he'll remember that first conversation. We've had a couple of conversations since. But um, but that's the first time I, I realised what coaching was. And then I had a, a little, there was like little trickles of things. I started looking into what coaching was and and I remember the first time when I really listened to um, one of the facilitators there talk about their life as a coach. And it was a bit like Katie Harvey talks in your episode one. She talks about that full kind of almost full body tingles that, oh, my goodness, this is like this is what I can do. And this is what I al- and also this is what I already do. Mm. And then if we talk about insight, that's that that was the coaching, the, the word coaching. But actually insight 
is a you know it's a progressive course over three days they've slightly changed that now um and they do lots of online stuff anyone can look them up i'm sure we'll put a link to them in the show notes um but what they what i felt that they were doing was exactly really what we do in theater for development it's using all sorts of exercises and tools and different techniques and methods to to drop into that heart space to really i mean insight especially it's it's all about what's from the heart it's like dropping down and really taking the time to really notice and really be present to what you already know and tuning in somehow and lots of things have happened since and we might go into that in this conversation Robbie but lots of things have happened since of what you're actually that I've learned about maybe what we're actually tuning into and then what we can do it's about connecting and really communicating really well and working through stuff working stuff out to do things better afterwards Lovely. Such a good advert for insight. For sure, people are Googling that right now or clicking the link in the show notes. We'll definitely put a link there. And, and to Ben and Tom and, and Landmark and other things we talk about. Um, you know, it's funny, Joey, I don't know whether, a bit, you know, I'm, I'm like it's one of those times there's so many places, ways we could go now. You know, I want to get back to this is what I already do. Definitely want to come back to that. But I think first I want to know, like, what then happened when it came to coaching? Where did you... Did you then, you you had this like full body tingles hearing this person talking about it. Was there any action that followed that or did that come later? What what happened next? Um, I did some research. I had quite a lot of project work on at the time. So I was, I was doing that too and just looking into different coaching methods, coaching training, different coaches, just getting my mind really into the world of coaching and working out what it was. And in that I called Ben, <laughs> so uh, kind of out of the blue, really. And he said, oh, yeah, call me back this time next week and we'll have a conversation. Um, and we did. And I found out about how he works. And I just asked him questions and listened to how he he lives his life as a coach. And um, And that's when I first heard of you, Robbie, and Katie as well. He He referred to me to both both of you two and a number of other people and it kind of evolved not really fast but kind of steadily from there um it must have been pretty fast actually because if if the website's been there for five years and the insight was happening in 2017 you know it must be like in the next couple of years that it that it in the next year or two that it that it that it picked up that that it it became more of a thing for you let me do the maths. Hang on. Are we twenty we're twenty twenty-four, aren't we? Oh yeah, oh, five yeah. years, twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's true. No, that's right. Twenty nineteen. So yeah, by twenty eighteen, I was I signed up. I actually did the strategic intervention coaching online, partly because I wanted to do something. Well, I spoke to a few people who'd done it to start with, and they really found it like really Im- immersive if you decide to really participate. And and the tools and techniques in that, again, so many of them very similar to a lot of the theatre for development techniques. But I just wanted to be certified in some way so that I could say not just I have a master's in theatre for development and have this much experience, but also I have a coaching certification. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, by the time I was coach, I started coaching in late 2020. Yeah, because it was during lockdown mm. as a one to one practice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, look, let's like, there's a few things I think for like the completionist part of me is like, wait, wait, we need to understand this and this and this. And I don't know if we actually do for the story, but I'm interested. So, okay, well, we'll cut, let's come back to the strategic intervention coaching because I want to, I'd love to hear more about that and what it was like and what you learned. And, um, but, but we keep doing that. And I know this, like we, you came along, I was just remembering then you came, you came along to the first in-person coaches journey event and I led an exercise and you were like, I did this on my master's years ago right so it's like just this sense that the like you say these this work that you'd been doing which was which was called something different was really the same work that you're doing now and and again i kind of yeah so so let's let's like rewind a little bit so um we've got a masters like remind us what the topic of the masters was and and what took you to do that masters why were you doing that Oh, right. Okay. Well, that goes way back. So as a teenager, I did lots of um, uh, drama, youth theatre my uh, and Lambda. And I got to about 16, actually, and I stopped doing too much drama myself. And I remember my, oh, not 16. I can't have been 16. I must have been 18. And my drama tutor, who I'd worked with since I was about eight, said to me, yeah, I don't think you need to do that anymore. And I didn't really understand what she meant, but I I kind of realised over the weeks after that, as I was kind of evolving into an adult somehow, I, uh, I realised that I think she just meant I've worked through lots of stuff by doing drama, with, with drama as the tool. And um, she may not have meant that at all, but that's how I really that kind of really embedded in me somehow. And then um, and then my first job when I left school, I didn't go straight into um, college or anything at that stage. So when I was 18, I got a job. No. Earlier than that, when I don't know the timeline because it wasn't it was so it was about 17 years old. I got a job at the local art centre, New Forest Art Centre, and I was running youth theatre there. Um, first of all, I was assisting. Then um, the the guy who ran it. Oh no, I can't remember his name. He's quite famous now because he does the choirs on the telly. Oh really? I can't remember his name. I don't know. I can kind of see. I can see a guy's face that it might be him. We'll we'll remember that afterwards. I remember. Quiet, quiet but um, listeners are shouting at their at their at their phones. Right I, know. I know that's bad. I should totally remember that. Anyway, um, he went off to do really exciting things and I um, then assumed the role of youth theatre leader and I also assisted on the older youth theatre. I worked there for a while, well actually from 1997 or something to 2005 when I had my daughter. So that was really part of how I got into drama as a, a tool for watching kids really learn and change and problem solve yeah and maybe Joey maybe we can before we move on from that maybe we can just say something about that because obviously well you know that I have that's been a part of my story too um but but for you yeah I wonder if you could speak to the kind of the power of of drama openness the listening all the confidence the things that come from that maybe for you or for the young people you saw then or the people you've seen since how does it work why does it do those things I've done lots of it since with kids especially you see there's a 
I think there's it's about a, a playfulness, like a, a real openness. And you're allowed, there's total permission to just be really playful, really outrageous, really timid and quiet if you're not usually. Anything anything goes, depending on how it's facilitated. I mean, if you're in a youth theatre, we, we, we devised, we developed, we did loads of improvisation and we devised and developed all our own plays. It wasn't like we came in with scripts and so... It's not. It was more applied drama than standard theatre, as such. So it is quite a different, um, a different way of working as a group. But really similar to, if people, you know, like I imagine, you know, in some of that, really similar to the again the exercises that you end up doing if you go on personal development workshops, right? Because <laughs> it's like as somebody who'd done a lot of that as a young person going to those things, I can just imagine how different it would be if you hadn't. So, yeah, like lots of those. Lots of those same things. Yeah, loads of them. And you really, when you're improvising, especially, you really have to listen and you have to be really present and you have to allow kind of your imagination to just flow and go with it and see where it takes you. And you have to notice feedback and you have to respond well. There's so many skills in there for for life. And and what about, because I know, you know, well, maybe it's not anymore, maybe because you may want to update your website, because we all should update our websites, as I've already said. But, you know, confidence is a big word it, when I, when you, when I see you talking or writing about your work. And when it comes to that, I, that, that concept, confidence, what role do those, does that kind of work have to play for young people or older people? You know, when they're doing that applied drama, how does it make a difference? I think there's a couple of things there. If I've really understood the question properly, so tell me if I haven't, Robbie. But are you asking how how the confidence builds in the young people that I'm working with or how the work that I am doing and using that word confidence um, supports them to do that? Uh yeah, I think I am asking how the good, good question. Both, both are good questions. I don't think I asked either. Listeners can skip back to find out if I did. Um, but I think I like the first one better. Like, how how does confidence build as people are doing that work? I think it's that feedback. It's action feedback, action feedback, action feedback. It's which, by the way, is interesting because that's I won't say too much because insight seminars are quite secretive. Because if you if you if you know stuff before you go, um, some of it won't really work because you're expecting. So, but but that is what we do in drama. It's it's action. It's it's trying something out and getting feedback. But often you're not just doing that on your own. You're doing that in a group of people. And if we go on, which I'm sure we will, talk about act on education as part of the freedom to learn work. That's exactly what we're doing all the time, just in a really public way. But having prepared loads of young people to be confident enough and articulate enough to be able to do that in front of a bunch of essential what could be perceived as very powerful adults who are real change makers for them if if they can only persuade them or show them or or you know be heard in some way so the confidence is such a and i really can't remember the actual question now robbie but the the confidence is such a key part in that because if they can't stand up with some kind of confidence to be present and stand there in their own sure and steadiness then none of the other other work can happen nothing can happen from there yeah, confidence, I guess, is a kind of a, a key to that, and it could be called other things, but yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely, and we'll we'll get to yeah, who, who knows if it's a good question. We'll we'll get to 
we'll get let's get to freedom to learn soon i think it, it feels like it's coming and we need to we need to like click on it because otherwise people are like what are you talking about but um but because so but i because i interrupted the story about drama so you 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 kind of worked your way and you moved into this. I loved what you said, by the way, or what you read into what your drama teacher said that that you had done the work that drama needed to do for you, or you needed drama to do, and, or the or you know you'd taken what you could from it in that way. Like what a great! I don't know. I'm just struck by what a great uh, reflection that is, and we could all have that reflection about lots of things in our lives. But um. Then you worked in your way into assisting with the youth theatre and our choir man, whose name we'll look up, uh, left and created this vacuum, which you stepped into and were in some ways chosen for, right? Because people could have said, no, you can't do this. We need somebody else. But there was something you were doing that, that, that they liked. So then how did the... And that was for quite a long time, you said, like seven or eight years that you were working yeah. there. And I should also say I assisted... But I, I was the assistant on the older youth theatre with um with Julian Harrow, who was kind of essentially my first boss, I guess. And he taught me loads. And that's really how I then went on to do community drama. Because he was and still is actually, although he's retired now, but he did such really he was the first person I saw doing this heart opening stuff in what seems like quite a conventional setting. I mean, bearing in mind, I was pretty young then. I was like, started when I was 17. So he really was, he was enabling kids to to really stand up and be themselves, which, you know, in definitely in my sphere then anyway, was not, in my life experience so far, wasn't something that was encouraged or, or that we we're encouraged to do often, I think, especially in school settings. And so it was, it was a massive eye-opener for me. It's amazing work that, that people like him, people like you do, isn't it? Um, so then th that took you to further study, did it? Which is, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so what happened next? How, how do we join the dots of from that to freedom to learn, from that moment to freedom to learn? Freedom to learn is already bubbling, actually, at that ah. point. Um, not at that point, but, but by kind of 1999. Um how do we join the dots? Well, the, then a, there's an education element comes in here because I actually left school early, which is a whole other story. But um, so that's why there was a bit of a gap where I was able to work and do all of this other stuff. And hang on. So I'm, I can't quite remember the correct timeline. And I suppose it doesn't matter entirely. But at some point, um, I'm traveling um, in India and we. Um, are on a bus and there's a, a landslide on the road far up ahead and we um we kind of get stuck in this village with quite a lot of other people um anyway there's this um there's one house that can put us up and I start talking to the mother so why she can put us up and what her life's like and I'm just listening really and enjoying learning about life in the high Himalaya and you know obviously I'm like a bit wide-eyed at this point I'm only 18 and it's really exciting so I'm talking to her and, and she's telling me about um the reason that she's got this bigger house and that she's doing okay is because she had foreign sponsors for her three sons to go and get an education bearing in mind I'd left school early I wasn't the biggest fan of education at this point in my life um I was really into creative stuff but not um not kind of a formal education particularly and 
those three sons, one of them had become like, uh, it was running a hospital uh, a few hours drive away. Um, the other one was the deputy for commi- uh, deputy commissioner for police in New Delhi. And the other one was the income tax inspector in Shimla, which is like a big uh, hill, hill station, um, a, you know, a day's drive away or so. And it was actually amazing how it completely transformed this whole family and made them, you know, be able to live in a really sustainable, successful way as a whole family. And um, and that really taught me the value of education. And then there were these in that village, there were two buildings. One had been beautifully done up and painted because the Dalai Lama was coming to do a when I had been to do a, a Kalachakra festival the year before. And then this other building that had kind of been kind of half built it was like a concrete shell really there was nothing there were no windows no doors no desks nothing at all and I was gobsmacked to learn this was the school (laughs) so it was like what is going on like it just seemed such a juxtaposition and the unjustness in my you know heart I guess was like right so um on our return we set up well, we didn't quite set up for intern straight away as a registered charity, but we gathered money to um, to sponsor children in that village to go to a school um, nearish by. It was actually not that near; it's like ten hours walk away, and lots of them had to board. And but it really was the only option to to have an education, and that was kind of how Free to Learn started. But then, because I went from that into my degree course and learnt about applied drama and community development and international development using a, you know, with creative means. I've then really wanted to take that work back to the school where those kids were working, which I eventually did as part of my master's. Although it took a little while longer because in the meantime I had my daughter and my daughter was like strapped on my back and and I was doing this project and this really, um, it was a really brilliant atmosphere to work in and a great community and really strong knit and I used drama to I I went basically and facilitated a theatre for development project and that was essentially using drama to allow children to express the difficulties they're facing or um, problems that they have and they don't know how to solve and then trying to bring in other people to help them solve those problems and um and then it felt like this was a really, I could really do this. And at that point, obviously, I had supervisors coming over and seeing the project and seeing what they thought about it. And it went online at that point. And then some people in Nepal saw it and they got in touch and they asked if maybe I could go and do some work there. So this is like 2004, we registered officially as a charity. And um, and it kind of went from there, surely but steadily. And we started working properly in Nepal in 2012 and or 2010 sorry and then we we, we developed theatre theatre for development applied drama using loads of different personal development tools and we put that all into a, a program that we've developed called Act on Education. Yeah and I'd, I'd love to hear more about that before I do there's, there's little like uh, I'm aware that the word development can mean really different things in different spaces and I, you know, <laughs> I, think, I think you might have just done it a minute ago but I want to check it when when you're like Theatre for development. Can you give us a for people who don't know, including me? Can you give us a definition of of that of of at a, like a really high level what it what it means? Yeah, I, ah, there might be some academics here who might pull me up, but I'm going to do my best in my understanding of it, um, and from the work that I've always done and the, the training that I did. 
theatre for development is a way of using theatre, a theatre performance, um, to bring about change in that community who are performing or in the community that they're performing in. And within that, there's loads of other different formats, like forum theatre. We use a lot from forum theatre. That's about bringing the audience. I, I can't explain that in a succinct way. But that's about bringing the audience in and getting them to help create that change and problem solve, whatever it is that needs doing. There's theatre in education. That's TIE. And that uh, they're educational plays that are uh, performed in schools. Yeah, many, uh, many, many people who grew up in the UK will have had those kinds of things coming coming round, touring to their school, that, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, the Forum Theatre thing, it, we had a, I think we had a funny conversation about this once. I, I, I kind of, I worked for a long time with somebody whose job had just been at a, an organisation called Cardboard Citizens, who use Forum Theatre to address uh, challenges with homelessness, but also have homeless casts, or casts who have all, all have some experience of that, usually. And so that gives some kind of example of it. But rather embarrassingly, despite having known Petia for a long time, been to her wedding, she came to mine, all these kind of things. I've, I've never been to any of their shows, which I realised when we were talking about it once before. So really should, and, and people should check them out. But it, but again, it's this idea. So I think it's worth, like it's worth slowing down on. Actually, I'm just catching, like I didn't know this when I asked the question, but it's worth slowing down on because for people whose only experience of theatre is, I don't know, being dragged along to a, to a production at a local theatre from school that you didn't want to go to that much, that was a very traditional performance of something, even a really good something, um, where you sit in an audience and you watch some adults uh, creating, who are professional actors, doing some uh, Shakespeare or, you know, Harold Pinter or whatever. There's something really different that you're talking about here. You know, there's something, you know, obviously with a scale, you know, and some of that is... Like yeah, the people performing, changing things, the the the, the what the the production being designed to affect the community it's it's performed in, um yeah, the audience being invited to take part and change the outcome or impact the story that's that's taking place before them. So I guess it's important to bring that alive to make sense for people who don't know this of how this thing that you're learning how to do and then taking to Asia is the same kind of thing that you come across that you are doing then at Insights years later, right? Does, I don't know, I've just said a load of stuff. So take from that or reflect on that, whatever, or pull or correct anything that's important. Yeah, and you said about development and using it in, in different ways. But I think what I realised that Insight was, wow, this has been going on for so long. I mean, Insights, I think from, from the 60s, say, but... And I'm sure it goes even further back than that. But this idea of, of developing as individuals and as communities and how we are all so interconnected, I think the kind of the term development, even if I say things like international development, you know, that's that's sometimes the sector I've been working in, or a lot of the time, community development, that's the sector I've been working in more at, at home. Actually, it's all and personal development. But actually, they're all completely integrated. They have to be because we all are. And um, and I'm just thinking things along the lines of, like, if you're doing community development, and always in even right back then in the youth theatre we've talked of, and, and in tons of projects since, you know, I will always as a facilitator, and I called myself a facilitator for so many years but actually then I would move into the space of coach you know people would come in and we'd have a quiet space where we would sit and I would listen and allow you know someone to 
speak out, to think out or or explore an idea or whatever it is they need you to do by holding a space on, on a one-on-one situation. And it's I hadn't really thought about it actually, Robbie, until we're talking now. But I think that's why if for those of us running coming back to this podcast and what it's about, if for those of us who are co- listening to it as coaches and want to get information as coaches, all of that, all of that stuff connects and informs our practice as coaches. Kind of all those techniques and skills and and things that we learn on a on a coaching course or a TFD masters or whatever it is that we're doing that's kind of the skeleton work what actually you have to do is is get all of that life experience build up that confidence yourself understand that it can fall away if you don't keep keep practicing it and and bring all of that to a coaching space when you decide to call it a coaching space yeah i mean joey i love it there's so much in there um that it's almost hard to you know, know what to pick up. And, and I think what I'm still, what I'm tempted by is the, the thread we left left hanging a few minutes ago. I mean, we could talk about it for as much or as little as, as we want, because it's obviously informing for all the reasons you've just said, everything you do, this period of work before you come to coaching, and you're still working for freedom to learn alongside your coaching work. But maybe bring us up to date. So how did fr- freedom to learn, and people can check out the website, we'll put it in the show notes, you know, like, People can check out Freedom to Learn and, and dig into the website that had to be rewritten after the Chinese characters appeared, you know, but, and there's so much information on there and it's exciting to read it, you know, even as somebody who's known you and your work for several years, to get into the detail of Freedom to Learn is really inspiring. Like that's, that's the thought that I felt feeling that I had when I was in there, um, ahead of this interview. Um, but, but bring us somewhat up to date with Freedom to Learn. How has Freedom to Learn developed over the years and if now's the time to talk about act on education let's do that but it, it, that can also come in a, a bit later on yeah i think i think act on education is is probably really relevant here because that is especially at first i mean act on education is what everything that we do at free to learn is based on we have to do act on education it's it's basically a big creative consulting period of time that we spend with any community that we're working with and um i think as as freedom to learn evolved over the years that that's at, that's really where it started we have a brilliant funder um ERSF initially in in 2010 who really put their faith in us and allowed us the space and time to be able to really as the word again, develop, <laughs> develop a team initially in Kathmandu. And then we moved out into, uh, into the district of Kavre, which is a, oh, sorry, a rural district um, to the east of Kathmandu. And really, essentially, I mean, I just spent a lot of time with the people that, that I was working with. A couple of them had come from a theatre organisation. Another one had come from a, a disability organisation, but all really holistically understanding the the difficulties that were being faced at, especially at that time it was just post civil war in, in in nepal but they weren't doing it from a really top down they were doing it from the perspective that i love which is really kind of ground up and top down and, and from every aspect that really multifaceted approach so we would go into a school and we would spend a lot of time really understanding and you know what the difficulties were it's all about 
why children aren't going to school, why the schools aren't providing essentially a good quality education, why they're not addressing some of, I mean, some of the really serious problems that that the children and the families are facing um, and how we can get everyone communicating and talking better and really find some community-led solutions that are workable. And some of those really need serious funding and some of them don't actually. So we can work out by listening initially and then by running some really fun, playful. You asked about theatre. You know, we just have loads of fun with 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 children who we can either, if they're not coming into school so much, we encourage them to come in just for this. Or sometimes we even go out and work with them where their homes are. And we just have fun and we do drama games and we do really a lot of what Insight Seminar do and lots of other personal development organisations and coaches do. We do fun exercises, lots of explorative stuff personally and kind of in an interconnected way. And then once people relax, and this can take like eight weeks, 12 weeks, it's not like a straight up, you know, you do one hour workshop and now you're going to talk about all your problems. It takes a lot of time. And actually, in the, if we're talking about, you know, if I'm thinking about listeners now in this story, that is one thing I've really, really learned is patience. It does take people time. I mean, there is this, and I, I that you know, the strategic intervention coaching, a lot of that is led by Tony Robbins. And that is like, you know, you can do this really fast. And actually, in my experience, definitely initial shifts can happen really fast. But these changes with children and parents in Nepal and with adults and young people here in the UK, any, any work that I'm doing, they do take time. And they, it just takes time for these understandings and comprehensions to kind of drop and then be articulated and then discussed in an effective way so I guess I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent but this is really how Fringe Learn evolved it's it's about listening and understanding the context that we're working in and working with people who live and breathe this culture and this community that that we're the people we're working with mm-hmm. and, and is there in terms of act on education, uh, sorry, you might have said this and I might have missed it. Is that is that that's the thing that that you've developed at Freedom to Learn uh, process, or you know, and and it is there anything else you want to say about that? Because it does feel like it's it's like the key. In some ways, it's the key pillar the way you're talking about it of the Freedom to Learn work. It's the foundation, and it is the key. You're right. It's the key to everything else, because by really listening, then you get to really understand. Um, what needs to be done to create change which again as coaches that's what we're all into isn't it we want healthy change to happen and um, so once we've done that confidence piece there's kind of three stages to act in education then we do a theatre production based on all the work that all the kids essentially sometimes teachers as well and other people get involved have done it's performed to a chosen audience of, of, we call them, you know, powerful stakeholders. So it might be that one of the problems actually is well, we, there are much, there are quite simple ones. There are no toilets in this school or the toilets that there are holes in the ground with low walls. When we get our period as girls, there's no way we're coming back to school. Um you know, toilets need to be built and then looked after. So we would bring in maybe a wash, uh, I can't remember what that stands for, but a, an NGO that deals with water and sanitation. Um, so we might get a, a 
block of funding to be able to build a, a toilet block in the school, that kind of solution. And then we get people at that event to make pledges and then we chase them and follow them up and say, you did say you would and are you still up for this? And we just keep kind of making making things happen as much as we can. So that's the, the stages that happen. But sometimes in that theatre performance, there have been things building up to that where we have to bring in really difficult, complex situations like domestic violence or a domestic violence or or a drug or alcohol abuse in the home or child labour. And they are much more complex and have complex and have to be really sensitively addressed with so many people there. And then of course they're not that easy to just unfurl and unpack and and solve like ding done. So so that's where then a lot of our projects come from is okay well this more longer term work needs to be done does that make sense yeah it absolutely does um no wait sorry this is, again <laughs> I, I might be like i might have missed this is, is there a third part of action education there's the confidence building process there's the and then the third part is like there may be the other projects to pick up Yes, the third part is the chasing up and the the oh, keeping right. on making ourselves heard and seen and keeping that momentum going and making sure that what was promised at that event happens. And from that, projects are then designed. And part of that is make. And so that's all part of the third stage. Essentially, Freedom to Learn's work is the third stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's then what happens. That's a lot of the project work we do. It's often it's like teachers haven't been trained. They need they they need better training or more regular training or so it just depends on yeah i saw on, on on the website you know that part of and i can hear how this is an echo of the things we've been talking about you know part of it is that the teachers are often untrained and therefore they they need some training so that they have the confidence to be you know and then we were back to that word confidence again and how the same the same kind of work you can really imagine would would really support those people um joey I, i'm curious so i know that part of the one of the things you're thinking about at the moment is this has been almost like almost entirely based abroad and you're quite you're interested at the moment i think i, I know it's been i know it's you know like you said it's been an international develop international development organization in some ways but you're interested in act on education in the uk is is that right yeah and i should say as well not in such a formulaic way as act on education but i have also done a lot of work because we trained a team in in Nepal and um those that initial team that I talked about there was me and then three other um three other guys in Nepal and they do a lot of the work and they have also trained others so actually a lot of the work in Nepal can happen without me now which is you know fantastic but in in that time because I was just there maybe twice a year for the last well since however many years it was now years seem to go past quicker and quicker don't they but I've also done a lot of that work in schools here maybe not so much with the big events but done them as uh working with children to really develop their confidence their articulation skills their communication skills their team working that that kind of thing um and also with youth clubs and other youth organizations so it has happened here and actually what i'm really interested in is doing it more with adults doing the basic work not just bringing them in as as people who have powerful you know, who have more power than the kids do. But actually to really do this work, it might be in a, in organisational settings or by using it as a tool, yeah. as a consultative process, really. Yeah, I mean, I can really hear, you know, I can really hear how uh, 
how do I say this? You know, your work in Nepal, the way you've talked about it, sounds like exactly not the kind of, uh, it, it sounds like sustainable work for a whole number of reasons. You know, the consultative process, the, the yeah, the, the kind of length of the process. Like you say, it's like, you know, the temptation you wish we could do it. Sometimes we kind of wish we could do everything in an afternoon, but actually that's not how real change happens. I can kind of hear that. I can hear the I can hear your experience of that chiming also with my experience of doing change work in really different places. Um, I guess if if people are listening, you know, who, I imagine there might be some people who are listening who are hearing the way you work, getting excited about it. Who who are you? Would you be most excited to hear from about about doing this work more? Like, what are the kind of partnerships that you're curious about? Oh, I would love to work with people in big, staid, kind of, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it would be corporate settings or big offices, you know, places we've never taken this into before, places where you wouldn't expect this to happen. You know, I'd love to get a group of people who work in one of those great big open plan offices, of which I have no experience, I have to say, but they're still all human beings. And I've worked one-to-one -one with lots of people who work in that setting, but bring a, 20 of them into a room, uh, close the door and and do that action education process. You know, it could be it could be something like two hours a week to begin with, just kind of easing in and finding out. And it's about getting that full kind of comprehensive understanding of what's really going on in this in this place. What's the humanity here? How can we use that to take us forward? with more ease or with more love or with more grace or whatever it is that they're looking for or more more efficiently maybe it might come up in a in a context like that um how can we help everybody in this place thrive i mean that's really why i was so attracted initially to your work as you use that word thrive a lot and that that often was in the work that we've done how do we help people organizations communities really thrive so anyone, I would love to hear from anyone if they would think that that kind of model might work in a, in a big organisational setting. I've always worked in the education sector or the international development sector. So to take it somewhere else is really exciting to me, just to see if it works as an experiment to begin with. Yeah, I, I love the idea of it. And um, and also I can kind of, you know, it's, it's so funny, I can hear the echoes of the the children who never go to school, you know, and having to go meet them where they are is, you know, feels so similar to the adults who are very, very sceptical, who never do this kind of thing. There's so much, you know, yeah. similarity in there. And I, yeah, I love that idea that this is the kind of process, you know, and I really heard that in the stories about the work abroad, that this is the kind of process about, like you said, really understanding what's actually going on. Um, whilst also having a lot of fun along the way. Um, and just as a little aside, of course, I have to think this because I have not no, but but little and long time no experience of working in those big, um, big organizations and open plan offices. You know, I think that there's a time and a place in those kinds of organizations to have somebody who knows them really well coming in. And there's a time and a place for people who are really different to come in and have that feeling. And, you know, I think most there's a lot of people with a lot of experience of working in big open plan offices in big open plan offices, and they probably don't necessarily need somebody else with that experience. So, yeah, I hope you get the chance to experiment with that in, in the way 
you've just described. Um, Joey, I'm curious, like we talked about testimonials at the start of this. I wonder if you look back on that kind of, wait, when did Freedom to Learn start? Like 20, 2004, was that the year you said? Kind of 20 you years. A charity, yeah, yeah. But in fact, it started longer ago than that. Yeah. So it's like 20 years as a charity. Um, uh, like on the website, it says 34 schools. Somewhere I think I've read the name, the number 5,000. I don't know whether that 5,000 young people. Yeah, the or... students. We've actually we've worked way more young people than that, but they're, they're the students that are in those 34 schools at any given year. It's just over or under 5,000. And so how do you – oh, so that's every year there's that, there's that number of people in the school. So it's an enormous – so how do, you, how do you feel as you think back on that, that body of work that is freedom to learn and all that change? What's it like to think about that? I'm aware I'm being recorded <laughs> um, <laughs> because it, I, will, I will just be honest. I think I feel a little disbelief, like, yeah. really? Have we? No. <laughs> it's kind of, it doesn't feel quite, and it, it all, like, I'm talking on a podcast, and of course it all sounds really exciting and creative, and for, oh, well, I hope it does in some way, because it is, but also, my God, have we come up against some really huge barriers. We've faced some really difficult situations, and and that's a one-to-one, in one-to-one settings, in, in the whole community settings, in the perception from whatever poli- political parties in charge at the time, because we've got different evolutions of that, of course, all the time. And we only work in government schools. So whoever's in power in the local education offices is really important to us. You know, and actually sometimes, well, we're hardwired, aren't we? All of us, I think. Um, we're hardwired to notice the negatives. But it's it's actually quite unusual it's quite unusual talking about it like this, Robbie, today. And then for you to ask me that question, I guess I don't really see it in that. I, I just always think we could do more. We could be doing more. I think it's one of the, yeah, I, yeah like you say, maybe we're hardwired. And I think it's it's also really common in the in the charity sector, I think, to find really driven people. And from the story, like, I don't know what it feels like to you, to have kept this thing going for this long, to have started it, you know, and I know there are many other people who have worked on Freedom to Learn over the years, but to have worked on it for that long, to have done all these projects, been been out to Nepal so many times, like it must take a lot of drive. And, you know, I know that I mean, talked to other people who lead organisations in, in the charity sector. Often that drive comes from a real sense of the problem, like it did for you in that origin story and the possibility of what could be. And the work's never done, right? Isn't You're never going to, I mean, maybe one day you would, you might be able to define, maybe we should do this together now, maybe we could do, or, or you could do it, you know, define what, how would you know that, I don't know, chapter one of the work is done or that, that the work of Freedom to Learn is done? To, like, what would it actually be? Maybe it would be all the children go to school in Nepal, but, you know, like that's, a, it's probably, it's unlikely that that kind of change is possible for a you know uh, an organization like freedom to learn so there's kind of always is going to be more work to be done so that's a really and i know that yeah having spoken to people who uh, i'm like both leaders in the charity sector but also people who work with them that's a kind of pervasive problem that it can lead to burnout essentially everywhere and exhaustion because people who work in the charity sector tend to not get paid that well and and work to the ends of of their energy and because they're working on really identifiable really identifiable human real world problems don't know what comes up for you when i say that oh lots (laughs) so much 
Yeah, I mean, we have funders who who want us to have an exit strategy. You know, that's the idea. And I can understand that perspective. Or they want us to make money. You know, how are you going to be more sustainable as an organisation? And it's really treacherous to actually get to to grapple with that and get to grips with it and understand how on earth that's possible when the challenges are so enormous. But that might be for a different type of podcast. Yeah, but a fun, I mean, like, I mean, and I think I had an intuition to ask you another question, but I, it is, I mean, it is, what a, what a challenge. Um, yeah. yeah. What a challenge it is. I wanted to, to slightly flip this conversation about freedom to learn from this, from the work never being done and the enormous challenge. What things are you most proud of from the last, you know, 20 something years of, of doing this work with freedom to learn? With freedom to learn? Yeah. Again, the word thriving, that that word, it's, I think sometimes it feels as if what we're doing is we're, we're allowing an opening, that's a bit frilly, but what is it we're doing? We're, we're allowing a way and a, a kind of a, ve- a, a vehicle with or loads of different vehicles going kind of along the same path and coming together and traveling along the same road towards a school becoming a really like the thriving heart of its community to really serve not just the children but the the whole community in a really holistic way the the parents the businesses the teachers the senior management the local politicians the leaders that to really to really make sure that the school is somewhere that everybody enjoys and wants to be in is really engaging and exciting and we have really achieved that a number of times. And sometimes it's then slipped again. You know, you get new leadership come in or you get like a new government come in and pull funding on one bit and put it in somewhere else. And, but we have really achieved that a few times. And when it, it when it's there and it's happening, it's and you and you're there like in it. It's magic. It's like a, it's really magic to see to see the difference between a a really kind of concrete, grey, dusty, oh, there's lots of dust in Nepal, really dusty, you know, no books, no real resources, no no one smiling, sometimes no teachers around, just two, you know, 18 months later, beautifully decorated with loads of kids' amazing work and children laughing and teachers kind of playing in the playground with them at playtime and bringing them back in and doing really inclusive exciting games to learn maths instead of like getting out a copy book and like do this it's then that's but that kind of it's not like just the one moment it's that wow this really works what we're doing really works yeah there's two two things that come up from you there joey one is i'm i i i'm excited like i can feel that that you know, obviously schools aren't as aren't as dusty in the UK, but also neither are they always that kind of community hub. Um, you know, it's interesting, like I, <laughs> so since we moved to the Midlands, you know, when we first moved here, neither of we, us have work here and we don't really go anywhere, except we go to the nursery where our daughter Leah goes. It's one of the few places we go. And although it's funny because post-COVID, people don't really go in it anymore. We just hang out in this little foyer and one family at a time. There is still some way in which that that is a hub. And when we had illness in the family and they, you know, those people who worked there really pulled out stops. So, you know, you get that sense of 
that those things do exist, but they could be more. So I'm excited by the idea that somebody might be listening, thinking, wow, I'd love to hear, I'd love to speak to Joey about how we make our nursery or school that little bit more like that. Um, that's, that's one thing that comes to mind. Um, and the other is, yeah, I just get, well, oh, maybe there was a third actually, but another one is, yeah, I just get that sense of the, um, the feeling of being there and seeing that thing having happened. Like what a thing that is. Yeah. I think Joey, there probably are other things that we could like pull out of the freedom to learn story. Um, but, but I really get the sense now, you know, and I imagine listeners will too, of why when you sudden, when you sat down at Insight and heard about what they were doing, you got the sense of like, oh, this is what I've been doing. Because you've mm-hmm. been really listening, not just to an individual, but to a community at once. And um, really create, ah, wait, 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 no, no, sorry, I'm going to rewind. Uh, let me see if I can hold that thought, because I do want to say the other thing that I've just, the third thing from before. Because in the one of the things that it, it got me excited, right, and I can imagine people might do this. You talked about the um, brightly colored new school, right? One of the things you do at Freedom to Learn is take volunteers, right, to Nepal sometimes to yeah. do to work on those things. So I just wanted to say that because I just think it's a cool. Some people listening will be thinking, "Wow, it does sound like like imagine being in the school that feels vibrant that I know eighteen months ago wasn't vibrant, and having been a part of that." and what is possible for a community when its school is vibrant and for those children. And if people are interested, there's a page on the website and I'm sure there's opportunities. You might want to say something about that before I move us on to the next part of the conversation. Do you want to say anything about that first or shall I move us on? Go to the website and email me or, or e- email through the website and um, and we'll tell you more. But yeah, there's always opportunities, definitely. Yeah. but But so then to let me... I love that this is my podcast and I can do what I want, include interrupt my own thoughts. Um, (laughs) This is what I already do. So let's like bring ourselves back then to the coaching story, which we were in, I don't know, whatever it was, 45 minutes ago. You really felt that. Listeners will be able to get a sense of why you felt that now, because you've had 20 years, maybe more since you've been first taking leadership roles in the, in the youth theater, doing this heart opening work inspired by Julian and, kind of gradually doing that more and more in different ways, learning more about it, doing the hard listening, doing the taking time work, which people are sometimes, which is, you know, we might come back to that in coaching, like how important that can be, but having the patience for that, having the, you know, seeing the transformations, like dealing with a load of hard stuff yourself as you have to deal with, you know, changes of government and difficult situations. And I'm sure I know from, you know, people in all walks of life who have run projects in different parts of the world that you end up in all having to solve all kinds of problems that you never think you'll have to solve when you, you know, are doing your degree in, in theatre for development. Um, but you come then to this thing, coaching. And I guess now maybe the question that comes up is when you sort of saw that and you got that, the full body tingles, what was the possibility that you, that you saw as you kind of found coaching? steady somehow it somehow solidified or or brought together tied up everything in a in a really nice steady solid way in a way that I could do what I do on kind of often 
crazy project work or in a youth theatre or in a school setting, you know, where there's often lots of people in a room and then I'm like, do you want to just come? We'll just go in this space now. We'll just move into this room and have a quiet 20 minutes um, or you can talk this out or whatever it is. It, it meant I could do that in a in a way that was professional. That's what I meant to do. That's not what I'm doing as part of this huge um, kind of project tangled up in lots of other things. It was a, it's quiet, it's steady. It's just absolute open heart, listening, ready, and, and watching things change and noticing and just being with with someone else and in that kind of partnership it was I can't remember exactly what your question was but I'm getting the sense that it that's what it was it was it was real possibility but also in my own lifestyle as well I could maybe start steadying up a little do something that that was this is this is one thing that I do yeah, because I, I, I know it's funny, um, Joey, I just saw on my desk, which is not that tidy out of shot for, for, for people who are in that kind of thing or watching on YouTube. I found this, which is your your business card is on my desk. Um, and the oh. reason I'm, I'm showing you that is because what it says on it, um, people who um, aren't on video is Joey Owen, Programs Director at Freedom to Learn. And I kind of know that, I guess what I hear in that story, which I've never heard you say before, um, and maybe this is me hearing my own story and yours so, or other people's stories and yours. So feel free to say if this isn't true. But, you know, I know a little bit about what it's like to be a kind of leader in a in a charity. And as programs director, you're doing all kinds of work as part of that. I know that about you. You know, it's like helping, you know, find new trustees when you need that, you know, uh, writing funding bids, all these kinds of project management, ma management of people. And I got this flash then that there's the, one of the things you'd seen is there's these little 20 minute conversations that you've probably been having since you first did youth theatre, little quiet conversations on the side of all this work mm. that was something had a different feel to them that you wanted more of. And so, you know, it, and that, that, that there was the possibility of that being work in coaching, which is like the reason I say my own story is that that was one of the things for me. It's like, oh, maybe that bit that I hadn't even really noticed that I loved about all these jobs could be the job. And wouldn't that be a bit different? And I'm sure not that you're going to quit freedom to learn or anything, but like you say, there's a sureness and a steadiness and another type and some more of that time to go alongside the real challenges of running and walking in uh, a, a charity. And there's a, and when I say steadiness, it's also steadying, you know, two days a week now I'm a coach and I can sit quietly in a space that's quiet and I can just coach on the phone. I, I don't do um, video calls. I sometimes do in person and sometimes do video calls, but other than the, the workshop work, obviously, but a lot of it's just on the phone, steady, quiet. And it's somehow, it's steadying, not just steadiness. It, it, the whole thing is steadying. And that was really, um, really attractive to me and I think also it, it goes along with the patience and this there's a slowing down in order to get things done better in whatever way that is so you know and there's this idea oh I know we've talked about this Robbie but this idea as a coach although I'm working with one person in a one in a one-to-one -one setting 
I think we all know, and I'm sure everybody listening and definitely everyone on our team knows that there's this this kind of a, a idea that the person we are working with, we just completely know that it's not just for the advantage of them. You know, that person that you're holding there in that moment. It's also whatever small shift or evolution or or understanding they create in that call will then be for the advantage, not just for them, but for everybody around them. And even maybe a little bit more the people around each of those people. And that also includes us as coaches. You know, it creates... I hope more positive change for the better every time we coach. But this is in a different way. This isn't in a like crazy drama way, loads to do, loads of different people involved. This is in a in a way where, yeah, I'm I'm pulling I'm pulling you out just for a moment. Let's just sit. Let's just have this this moment, this half an hour, this one hour, where we just focus on you and what unfurls from that. And that to me was really magic and really new and really steadying. Yeah, I love it. Like, I know we've talked about it before, but I, I always think of you whenever I think of that. I think you talk about that so well, that idea of the the the, the ripples, the small changes for the person, the per- changes for the person and then the, the making thing. Again, I've already lost your language, but the making things better for the people around them and even the people around them. And we don't really know where that goes. Um, and we talked on was it Indra's Indra's web indra's net indra's net we talked yeah, about we that did. didn't we in the in the call last december um people can can check that one out again as another what a metaphor story about the, the the way that if you change one thing everything else um flickers and shines i've looked it up a couple of times since then to kind of remind myself of it because it's such a lovely thing but I, yeah i love that i love that way you talk about that and yeah, I, I feel it, I, you know, I think it's just really important to say that thing you say about coaching being steadying. I, I, for the coach, you know, I feel that as well. Sometimes I, you know, my come out of the morning and it's not, you know, it's not for me these days so much, you know, the chaos of uh, running drama games or the running a charity. It might just be the chaos of the morning and trying to get, you know, a toddler to nursery. Um, and then the coaching is, I'm different after that. You know, I'm steadied by it, and it also ripples my end too. And, and the other thing you said, Joey, that I just loved is like I love how, and if you don't do this already, from now on you should do it. Um, the, that's what a wonderful way to to talk about coaching, right? We're just gonna like, I, you know, you could say this. I, I what I used to, what I do in my theatre of development work is I sometimes I know there's somebody I see them and I have to I know that we need to well they something to say something to me and I know we need to take out a step out of the crazy drama games and into the quiet space just for a little while and slow down. And that's what you do with your clients. I've just never thought about that. I mean, I have thought about it in that way, but it's just such a powerful um, analogy for what coaching is. What, what for all of us pretty much do with our clients, we take them into a quiet room somewhere or invite them to get into a quiet room on one end of a phone while we're in a quiet room on another end of a phone, be away from life a little bit, do that patience, do that steadying, do that slowing down. Really nice. And I hope that the other thing about that, you know, whenever I hear you saying that thing about how the the small positive change for for the for the client, or the, or the big positive change for the client, and then the the smaller positive changes probably for the people around them. I think is this right? You use that to kind of um, to remind yourself of the value of it. And I hope that other coaches who wonder about some, but this is anyway. This is what I'm hearing. It's a it's a when I think about that kind of thing, it's to remind myself of the value of it. 
of the impact. Because you just never know where the impact of a coaching session ends. No. We talked about this on our community call recently, didn't we? And about even just that conversation, the, the act of being listened to or the small insight or the slight tweak of thinking in some way is just another another piece in the moving forward more successfully, whatever successful means for you. There's that lovely thing, isn't it? Was it Michael Neal who said, you know, if if this um, office manager came out of work every Friday evening and she went to a lamppost, then she talked to the lamppost for an hour, that undoubtedly is going to help her and support her in some way. And as coaches, we just need to be a little bit better than a lamppost, I think, I think you said. And that I mean, don't even need to be better, but probably we are, like is the way I think about it. Like even just being a lamppost would be great for the office manager. But if we happen to bring a little bit of extra and help the heart open a bit more or, or, or whatever it is, then what a thing that is. Well, we come with humanity, don't we? We come as a human. Well, probably more humanity than the lamppost. I'd hope so. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> so, so, Joey a while ago you trailed so you found yourself then so was it then that you found yourself wanting to do some some coaching training oh yeah yeah and sorry i've, I've jumped around did a piece of paper to say yeah. coach not just trainer facilitator or tft practitioner but coach yeah and so you found your way to the strategic intervention coaching is that what mm-hmm. it's called yes and so how and that and that's inspired by tony robbins or run, yeah. or, you know, and um, Magali Pesha, Mark Pesha, and Chloe Madanis. Yeah, and so found, I'm sure online. Yeah, yeah. What, and what, like, when you look back on that now, what what are your reflections on it? What was it like? What did you learn? What was interesting? What was less interesting? It was um, really self led, all, all online. Um, although I have met a couple of people who um together in person since. Um what was my experience of it? It was wondrous. It was really it was really fun. Um it was great to learn again, to learn techniques in that way, in that kind of more academic way as well. It was brilliant to practice with people from all over the world then those kind of methods although it's not really how I coach now but I bring stuff from it in and definitely I've used some of it as well that freedom to learn um I mean I don't think anyone can deny Tony Robbins in his way is a genius I mean I couldn't I can't do what he does I don't know I would always do it in exactly the same way but his his ability to say big things in a succinct way is fantastic so you get a really good grasp of stuff quite quickly um yeah it's not massively expensive again i mean budget at the time well always you just talked about working in the charity sector we um we all know that that's there's not always there's not always money flowing um so it's affordable and it's really interesting and if you use everything then you get to talk to lots of people. You get loads of practice. You get weekly uh, kind of group or, or co- not so much group coaching calls, but you get to listen to a coaching call and then you can you can join in it afterwards and talk about it. Um, yeah, it was a really great 
thing to learn from. And as with all, a lot of the coaching courses, it wasn't like it, it's coaching school, although it's run by the Coaching Institute, I think it's called. But it's brilliant as well sometimes to dip back into because you can access it as long as you want to, you know, as long as, long as you need to. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, I'm sure yeah. lots of people will be curious to check it out. And yeah, like Tony Robbins, what a great cat, what an amazing amazing man in lots of ways i you know my first i think my first interaction or awareness of him like i was obviously aware of him but the first time i actually engaged with him was just hearing him being interviewed on tim ferris and it was just like a great it was just great and so that you know that shifted me so i you know i know lots of people are very skeptical of him in lots of ways and that's okay like people are welcome to that but i you know hard not to think he has a lot of for me it's hard not to think he has a lot of amazing things to say and he spent a long time doing this work. And um, you know, we talked about him a bit on this podcast before. I think I talked to Inga Umblia about him because she'd done some training with his, with, with his company as well. And there's that great Netflix documentary. I think it's great anyway. I'm sure some people don't like it, but about him. Um, and But yeah, what, a, what an interesting guy. So much. So again, a bit like Insight or Landmark. Just he's made such a difference to so many people over such a long time now that you know, that's foolish to dismiss somebody like him, I would say. And it sounds like this training was, was great. And I'm curious. So yeah. it sounds like, but it sounds like we could talk more about it. And if you want to, we can. But I was curious when you said it's not exactly how I coach now. So I'm curious, how is your coaching developed? You've got that piece of paper and it is useful to have those bits of paper sometimes. And how has your coaching then developed over the years since then? The actual, the actual work you're doing, I mean. That's a good question for me, actually, to think about too and to answer because I love the the strategic intervention. I mean, it's a great title, isn't it? And yeah. and you'd hope it does exactly what it says on the tin. But also, often I find it quite directive, which isn't naturally where I fall into. I prefer a a kind of skeleton. Well, I think as many of us do, especially those of us working on this podcast, but we we like a a, a skeleton, a framework. That the, then really the leadership is in the coachee or the thinker or your client or whatever you, you, you call the person you're working with. They hold the real leadership in then what happens around that. Whereas the strategic intervention sometimes for me or from what I saw of the methods, and this is, it really does work for some people, but not so much people I work with, I don't think. It's quite directive. There's a there's a judgment from this vast experience of the coach. There's then a, an, an ability or a, somehow it feels, oh, this is difficult to say, isn't it, without casting any judgments myself. But there's then a judgment of, well, this is why you're thinking that and this is where you need to go. And that's just not, that doesn't sit very well with me easily. No. I am more of a, let's have patience, here's some space let's unpack this really foundationally so that you move forward and, and sustain it. It's, it's it's like with Dream to Learn, you know, what's a workable solution that is sustainable that you can then sustain and keep going and keep evolving and learning and changing and not just fall back into the pain you're sitting in now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that sustainability is there, there for you because of that work. And again, also the the less directive approach like again it sounds like your international there is directive international development work that happens right but it's not the work that you do with freedom to learn by the sound of it because you're spending all that time listening 
Um, I guess maybe. I should just say that I think in international development, if you're more directive, I don't know if it's the same with coaching, you get more money. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, it'd be funny to work out if that's. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny to work out if that's as true in coaching as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so then, what happened, Joey? Like, I don't know whether it's right to jump to now or to think about like what did you? I know you've worked with clients because there are testimonials on your website, like you said, and all those kinds of things. So it could be about what you then did with that training and, and or it could be about where you are now with your coaching. What feels like the right place to go next? Oh, what feels like the right place to go next in this conversation? Well, what would you like to hear? Would you like to hear a chronological story, Robbie? Do you think people would like to hear that? Or do you think you or listeners might like to know more about what I do now and how I manage that multi-hatted one job of two and a half days a week and coaching the other two and a half days a week? Now you've said that, I want to know that. <laughs> but um let me let's yeah <laughs> I, don't. I don't yeah but but no no actually like when you were asking that question what came up for me is i think let's go to the place i've got a, but it's interesting that you name that because i think there are two those were the two questions that were in my mind i was wondering about asking um in some ways and but the first one is i'm curious so like because it is in some ways where this show came from like when you had that um when you got that training what did you do? How did you find some people to coach? And like, what's worked for you in doing that over the years and what hasn't? Yes. Okay. Well, um, I had a number of conversations, one with you, um, about getting my own supervision as well and, and having my own coach as soon as I finished, because you have a coach when you're on strategic intervention and then you don't, um, when you finish. Um, and, I had people from, oh, that's right. No, the first thing I did, so I was, we were sh kind of sharing coaching the, the people I'd studied with. So fellow strategic intervention uh, students and newly certified coaches. Um, we were kind of, we, we built a bit of a referral ring and we started doing things such as talking about it I hadn't quite hadn't yet at that st I think I had the prosperous coach but I hadn't quite started reading it but it was essentially kind of that we were talking about it and then one guy Alan um <laughs> he really stepped up and said I've got this brilliant um Leeds company I've started doing it with and I've already got like four clients from it and it's it's Bart which I think most people listening would have heard of uh, so I, I I wouldn't assume that Joey like I definitely think we should talk about Bart yeah but so what okay. was your experience then yeah, so then I thought, well, I've coached a couple of people locally. I'd coached some people through my other project work, um, but I wasn't having a steady flow by any means. And I was doing lots of uh, gifted, initial gifted sessions or pro bono, and then having a few steady clients, but certainly not. I mean, I'm looking for, with two days a week, really, I don't actually want more than five or six. Six is my absolute tops because I do hour long. Well, at that point, I was doing 90 minute sessions. I now do around an hour, around 15. Um, and, and that's every week, if I was, apart from anything, going to make it economically feasible. Um, and then, yeah, Bark is a website where you can 
you put a profile on there. Anyone can go and look at mine. There's, there's lots of coaches on there. Um, but you, as a client or customer of Bark, you also have to put your own um, quick profile in there and apply for some kind of service that you want. So they have, oh, I think it's life coaching. I think it is called life coaching as a service. They also have other things like cleaners or um, a, a I don't know, loads and loads of things. I can't think of any mechanics. Um, so I set up a profile on there, paid the fee, bought some leads and waited to see if I had any takers. And um, if anything, the practice of picking up the phone to people on Bark expressing an interest, they don't, I haven't done it for so long now. I don't think they all actually get in touch with you. You sometimes... I wouldn't quite say cold call, but you warm call them because they they've put in that they're interested in this kind of coach in this area. And then you're sent their details as the coach. Uh, and you pay some kind of fee to get a, a some, certain number of those you people. Pay, I think they call them credits. I can't I can't and I haven't done it recently. So I don't know much about the costs either. Now, it was something like nine pounds for every person that you call something around that. So. But, but yeah. so it's interesting because let's let's like catch it. Like, I don't think anyone else on the show has ever talked about using something like Bark. But it's a really interesting thing because these are people that you've no connection to. Like, so sometimes people are really stuck and they're like, "Well, I no one I mean no is interested in coaching," and that's probably a false assumption. And and you could probably unpack that. But a, a really way to shortcut it is well, you could pay nine pounds then, maybe a bit more now, probably because inflation and etc. To have somebody who's interested in coaching. And then there's another thing about having the courage to call them, which I know you must, because I was on your bot profile before this interview, and you got like 26 yeah. five-star reviews on there, Joey. So you must have been doing something right. Not all of those were actually through Bark, because they are then people who, because then what happened was I got, I did got quite a lot of um, people coming to me through referrals, because I talk to my clients, as I hear Katie Harvey talk about as well uh, on your podcast. It's really important to say, I really enjoy working with you. Do you know anyone else who might enjoy coming and, and having a session with me? And I'm really happy to gift a session to anyone that you know. You know you know how we work. You know this, this spiel. I'm sure everyone listening does because you you've said it before on, on these podcasts, Robbie. But inviting inviting the person that you're coaching with and, and having a thriving kind of working partnership with and saying, do you know anyone else like you? Because I'd love to work with them because this is this is fun, isn't it? What we're doing, this is working. And that kind of worked for me. So I, did, I haven't done Bark, I mean, also partly because of personal circumstances, but I haven't done, really used Bark now for a long time. A, a, quite a long time, yeah, I can't think how long. But most people just kept coming. And any reviews, I always give the Bark, um, they give you a link that you can go to and write your review for the coach you've been working with. So I just always send the Bark one because I think that comes higher than my website on Google because <laughs> <laughs> they obviously are much better SEO, whatever it's called, than I do because I'm not very techie. So well, uh, I was impressed by your SEO, Joey, because I didn't know how many Joey Owens there would be. But actually, other than those, like uh, some footballer wants and um, those those um, uh, SoundCloud pages, when I Google Joey Owen, I get a lot of you. That must be to do with you, I think, because I have and I don't. But anyway, <laughs> that's be, another that's another thing, and I'm not not so worried. And I am in a great position, which is why I love I love I do love the balance as well of having all the freedom to learn and the schools work, 
as, as, as part of my work, you know, part of my career. And then there isn't a great pressure. Coaching isn't, I need to pay the mortgage with, with coaching clients. I'd like to have a nice, steadying, steady practice that earns me enough. Not that free to learn earns me enough, but um, but at the moment that that has worked well enough, and um, yeah, bark to going back to bark just to make it useful. I I would highly recommend bark when you're so, so first signing up or when you're first starting out or when there's a dip. I get you get people you get to speak to so many different people apart from anything else who are really interested in having a coach. You also get people who never answer and obviously have really regretted putting in the because they get four different coaches ringing them. Um, and you also get people who kind of say they're interested and then sign up for the initial call and then don't show up. I've had that. You know, you just you kind of go with it, but it's all of all of the humans that you could talk to that have not you've not come through your own connection so it's actually really interesting i found it really interesting experience and great learning yeah just tell what you're doing which is so hard so i was going to ask that so you know you have successfully do you have a sense joey of um how like how many calls you had to make for every because you've got you're is this right you have some you've had paid clients through bark so how many calls you had to make yeah. for a paid client w it was uh i think i did work it out gosh i haven't thought about this for ages so i should have thought about it before i came on um i think it was something like i'd averaged out about every nine calls i made i got a client a paying client okay so it's not it was uh, and at the time funnily enough i was charging more than i do now because i started out and i bought into the whole sell a whole package and do you know do this do that and i don't do that now i i'm much well i really focus on the, what's steadying and what feels right so um so then i was selling quite a high uh, no nothing like high ticket but you know i was give, give I was, us an idea like because i think uh, that matters for the a yeah 1200 pounds for for three months right so the 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 sums really work then at, at 10 people for oh, yeah. one of those. Totally. Um, and I imagine you get like, like, like there, it's not, it's not mm, direct correlation. I don't think in coaching, but there were, you know, if people are selling coaching, if you were selling coaching for less than that or asking a lower commitment, it's likely you get more people from that kind of pool saying yes. Um, and, and is this right? Like, and again, I'm just interested because at least when you were doing it, which might be a couple of years ago, but that essentially it felt like there was, uh, a big pool of people waiting in some way who had said at some point in some way that they wanted a coach through Bark. Yeah, it did yeah. actually. Yeah. Because yeah. again, that's, yeah. it goes a little against the story, doesn't it? That, that there's like, that coaches tell themselves that there's no one out there. Yeah. And, yeah, it does. And I just got a sense as well, sorry to, sorry to interrupt and, and, and jump back in in a sec. I got a sense as well of like, if if we slow down with, you know, some of the thinking I've done about the the coaching business flywheel or the prosperous coach approach, you know, it's like if you start to look at, at all those calls as just a chance to connect with somebody new, mm. you know, who, if you want, you can add or probably add on LinkedIn afterwards or, you know, whatever it is, then even if if you just look at them like that and you have a suspicion that one in every nine or 10 might become a paying client, then that's actually like great value because you don't know where those connections go and, you know, even if the person doesn't become a client and you get to practice connecting and selling your selling yourself to strangers all at once. So yeah, really interesting thing to have done. 
I'm really grateful to Alan and to Bark for bringing it up. I, I didn't even know it existed. And then to have that as an opportunity, it was a brilliant starting, like, starter. Yeah. What, so what did you, like, learn most from those those warm calls? That you can connect with many more people than you think you can. I mean, when I say connect, I don't mean on the phone. <laughs> I mean, you can connect humanly. It's from people from all walks of life. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'd catch it like you can. That's what you learned, right? Uh, because yeah. as and, a coach, and, I can. Yes. And anyone okay. who's listened to all this, like, and I, and I don't mean like almost everyone who's a coach who's listening, that's true of. But I think anyone who's listened to this interview with you will have heard, you know, in some ways they'll have heard, well, no wonder, Joey, because you've been doing it since you were 17 when you were like, you know, when you were first running the the youth theatre workshops, like like you've been practicing that for for a long time. But selling, that's a different, oh, yeah. it's very hard. What did and you learn I, about that? I'm still learning, I think. I feel I felt I realized I was a lot less comfortable selling for for that amount, asking for that amount of money. Um, I mean, they were nine to 12, 90 minute sessions and unlimited WhatsApp in between. And I know that there are coaches less experienced or more experienced, of course, who charge tons more, tons more. And also there are coaches who do less. But I just didn't feel comfortable at all. So I, I had to, I kind of wriggled out of that in the end. I didn't, I didn't want, and I often would then wriggle out of it and say, look, why don't we talk about this and think about, you know, what, what would you be prepared to pay? What kind of figure were you looking at? Although some just straight up paid the 1200 and no qualms at all. I mean, I think I can't, I'm not actually sure. It's probably around 30 30 people from like from Bark or referred from Bark. So I've definitely well over Mark got my money back. And maybe 15 or 20 of those have paid that full price over the last few years. But um but now I do 60 pounds per session. It's usually just over an hour. And it's as and when you need them, which usually is every week for at least the first 12 weeks, it turns out. But because that's just that feels right and that kind of works and yeah. I feel much more comfortable with that and that feels fair and so I can I can sell it or <laughs> you know I can say right this is what I offer this yeah. is how it works yeah you sound so grounded talking about that it's like um I just wonder how much how important it feels like it's very important it is to just get to a place where we're grounded with how we work like however that is and we get all these stories about like you say of people charging extraordinary amounts of money and um and what's possible and what's right and what we should or shouldn't do as a coach but actually just being grounded with what we do and being at peace with it like i i that just feels much you know if i'm imagining having a sales conversation that's the most important thing really isn't it, it you know you want the person you're speaking to to feel ground to be grounded with what their how their work yeah. works even then though, Robbie, I mean, I'm in an invitations phase at the moment and I'm still offering pro bono sessions left, right and centre. Partly because there's a big part of me that just wants to be coaching because of the steadying we've talked about, because 
I love it and I I do thrive off it. So I really enjoy it. And I know that the people I'm inviting, some of them really couldn't pay or maybe they could, they could, but they might need to spend it on other things or or I don't want to ask or whatever my squirminess is around. It's like, well, why don't I gift you two sessions and let's see how we go. You know, I find myself doing that a lot, but actually so far I haven't, oh, I can't remember when it was on something somewhere recently. I think you said, Robbie, I know what it's like to be, to be working in the charity sector, not getting paid the money you should be, and then and then regretting it or resenting it worse when you're doing the work. I haven't got, I haven't experienced that yet because I get so much from coaching. But if I get start getting really broke, I might. <laughs> so I need to, or really broke anyway. I'm not exactly flushed right now. But if I was really struggling, I'd have to address that. And that would be some development I would need to do yeah. myself. Yeah, but there's there's so many you know there's so many and and it's it's been it's been interesting in the coaches journey community in the last year or so. It's been quite a few people who have played with that invitations challenge, which I think is one of the most interesting ways to put energy into your coaching business. But you get paid when you when you coach people. You get paid in so many more ways than money. And this, you know we've talked about the steadying factor, but there's also you know the stories, the experience, the potential referrals in the future. So yeah, and I think it's like. Um, I, it's funny, I thought you were going to say then you said that thing about the charity sector and resenting not getting paid enough. And, and I've definitely felt that. But I, it was also a brilliant thing that Claire Pedrick said, when I think in the first time I spoke to her on this show, about like having too many coffees <laughs> with people um, before, uh, you know, before it, and calling it work. And it's like these yeah. things sometimes that we have, they're like, I think we can usually have the best way to do it is intuition, you know, and you you overshoot sometimes, like you give away too much coaching or you have too many coffees with someone calling it work before realizing you're just procrastinating <laughs> on not, and not doing any actual work. You have to overshoot a few times, but then you develop the intuition for, oh yeah, no, it's, it's exactly the right thing for me now to give this person another coaching session or, you know, and I have it as well. Like, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm giving this person another coaching session. That wouldn't be in service of anyone right now. Giving them one was perfect. Giving them two is wrong. And I don't need to know why that is. I just need to kind of know it in that way. Um, so hmm. I love hearing how at peace with you are with 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 the rates. It's 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 like it's great to hear that sense of um, that's. It's great to talk about bark, and we talked a little bit about invitations. I, I want to go back a little bit to that kind of other opening you gave us a, a few minutes ago, which was, uh, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it slightly, but it was something like how, how, what's happening for me now, balancing the the project work and coaching. And I wondered <laughs> if, excuse me, if you could say something about um, what you do to kind of give yourself the, um, the steadiness for that work and how you think about doing that and and if if <laughs> suddenly where i'm asking a veil question ex wanting an answer which is if you talk about chanting um in some way <laughs> which which was in your talking points for this but it's such a like I, i'd love to have a, at least some conversation about that but there might be other things that come up for you as well as i'm asking that question so i, I don't know if there are if there's anything else about that you know you kind of introduced that idea of how what's happening for me oh, i i asked what's happening for me now and you said the thing about balancing the two parts of work and how that looks at the moment so you know full invitation to speak to that in whatever way but maybe also to catch something about chanting now um as well yeah it's become 
It's actually, it also is part, I'd say, and definitely informs my coaching practice, my spiritual, I guess it would be called, a, a spiritual practice um, of chanting. I mean, for, well, since, really since into that first India trip, so 99, Buddhism has been around and part, in and out of my life. Um so I've always dabbled with meditation. I'm just thinking of Chris Joseph. I remember I did quite a long stint after that podcast, for example. But but over the years, you know, I've met various people or monks and learned about meditation. And it didn't really ever seem to have that wholesome or full-bodied, um, again, steadying, I think is the word. It seems to come up a lot today impact in all the other areas it was wonderful and might help me tune in quickly and it was it was beneficial and useful it was it, I found I was quite impatient sometimes though meditating quietly um and so I've been introduced to um a form of chanting which I must admit for like four months last year I did I managed to do like an, a full hour a day also, maybe we should just touch on Robbie, although this is a podcast, but I'm in the middle of a huge like life transition, really massive. Um, you know, one of those massive life transitions that people maybe even fear. And I'm in it. And again, if we're talking about things that inform my coaching, it does it ever. Like so many things I have learned and, and chanting has really given me a way of somehow um it's somehow at the same time as steadying and sedimenting everything i'm learning and and want to connect to it also it also connects me somehow and i think the idea is and maybe we should you know we should name it it's sgi sokagakai international and the chant is namyohorengekyo which is the title of the lotus sutra this is I really don't totally understand all of this. I'm just doing it without doing all of the necess like the reading and homework necessarily. But it's it's a way of really Nam Yohorengekyo is like the essence of everything. And when you chant Nam Yohorengekyo over and over, what I have found is you're almost kind of connecting to source somehow, like the source that connects all of us somehow that light I'll say life force the life force that connects all of us and so not only and I still I chant every day sometimes like two minutes sometimes 20 minutes sometimes half an hour sometimes the full hour um in fact tonight I'm going to a chanting meeting with other people here in Cornwall where I am at the moment who also chant and we all chant together and it's quite it's quite a well, you can imagine, quite energising and quite, again, heart opening and actually a lot of the same stuff as Theatre for Development, Insight Seminars, the discussions that I had are re about really similar things with really similar techniques and ways of opening people up to each other. And, and what I realised through the chanting, I think at the moment I'm learning about this, this interconnectedness of everything. And seeing seeing everything from that understanding that we are all somehow connected through this life force. And that's why it's so 
magical for coaching and I chant before every coaching session because I'm connecting, I'm tuning into the same life force that is enabling this other person to be alive, to thrive, to think, to move, to, I'm kind of tuning into it through through vibration or something, I don't know, or maybe I'm just imagining it, it doesn't really matter because what it does is it, it's, it's such an enabling process or it's such a way of just tuning in coming into a space and feeling sure and steady. Is that say enough about chanting? That's beautiful, Joey. It's really beautiful. And, um, you know, what I heard is there, you, you know, you said it, you mentioned it way, way back in this conversation. You were talking about what, you know, helping people tune in and what are we tuning into? And I'm guessing what you've just been speaking about is 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 one answer to what are we helping people to tune into? And, it, and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And, you know, I can imagine there'll be some people, and I love that reflection of, on meditative experiences and what they had or had not done for you before and how this one feels different for you. I'm imagining there might be other people who have um, <clears throat> had similar feelings about meditation listening. If they were interested, we'll put a link to SGI in the um, in the show notes, but if people are interested in trying chanting in, in the way that you're describing, like where would you send them? I'm not sure I I know the answer. Um, I'm not sure how to begin other than meeting something. It's a bit like um, how I got into coaching and until you meet someone else who does it. Yeah. Um, or other people. Oh, now I know where I'd send you. Tina Turner. Huh. Um, <laughs> Say some more about <laughs> Tina Turner. Tina Turner um, has wrote, oh, because she's now passed on to wherever she's gone to now, but she wrote a book called, and she chanted for decades, every day, um, with huh. real power. And she talks about it really eloquently in a book, I'm trying to remember the name of, I think it's called The Art of Happiness or something along those lines. Uh, let's link it. Robbie, I'll... Yeah, yeah. If it's not that, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes, people, if, if it's not that. Um, um... That's a really great place to start, actually. And that does mention SGI in there as well. There are discussion groups in every kind of area. But actually, just give it a go. I would just give it a go. There's a lovely, there's a couple of lovely ones that you can listen to, people chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. What, on YouTube or where? I, I, music, I, I, but the. Yeah, again, if you send me those, we'll, we'll put them in the show, we'll put one in the show notes if we can. I think one really important thing, though, to do with coaching and SGI or Buddhism or that form of, of understanding the world and how we live and how we do powerful things and how we make changes and live better lives is this really solid. And what chanting does and what coaching does, they're both the same, is we come to coaching. I think I'm going to speak for everyone listening who's a coach here. We come to coaching because we have this really I can't even think of it I almost want to say guttural you know this really strong solid absolute belief that the person we are sitting in front of or listening to her in our ear has an absolute ability to do anything they want to do they have everything they already need within them and in um SGI or I think in Buddhism too I only know about SGI really but Buddha nature. That is about Buddha nature. Chant. You chant to reveal your Buddha nature. In uh, in iHeart, which is like a three principles organization, I've I've read all about this beautiful idea. You know of the 
the sun is shining all the time. It's shone on me today, hasn't it? I've been sitting in. Now it's covered by clouds. And we cover up this. Oh, I think Henrietta spoke about it really beautifully as well on your podcast. We cover up this innate well-being or good nature or inner knowing or this connection to the universal source or God or whatever we want to call it. We all, as coaches, know that that is what the person we're working with has inside them, or, or I hope we do. And that's the, the belief we sit with the whole time. That's what enables everything else to happen. And that's why you can't be directive. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in the long term. That's not a sustainable change. Mm-hmm. So it's so, so beautiful to hear you talking about, about it like that. And, um, and you know, I think it, it gives us, you know, your you again you clearly have that belief and like you know that along with all the all the work you've done over the years you know no wonder there's this there's these lovely testimonials going back to the start of this conversation on your website from people right saying saying really lovely things and one of the one of my favorites was um somewhere on your website it says counseling i've been doing counseling on and off over the years but i've made more progress working with joey in just a few sessions and like, I don't know what that person said and why the progress was there, but I, I would guess that if you really, if you were in there with that person, with that belief in them, then, you know, it, it feels hearing you talk like that so obvious that that is a transformational thing for us when somebody has that kind of belief in us. Joey, you'd, we don't have to talk about this any more than you already have, but I'm where you mentioned it, you know, you're in the middle of a big transition at the moment. And sometimes those big transitions are the right things to talk about on podcasts. And sometimes they're not. And if they're not, if it's not, or if there's nothing more to say about that, absolutely full permission to just say, yeah, no, it's, there's nothing more to say, but, but I wondered if there is anything more you want to say about, about the transition or, or about, um, like you mentioned how it's, how going through one of those big, sometimes scary transitions in in our lives in your life has has impacted your coaching but again you can just say no if you want that's perfectly acceptable uh, no no uh, i'm saying no not in that way no yeah. <laughs> yeah the yeah right now in i'm really in the middle of it i mean i'm in a caravan um and sometimes i live on a boat and sometimes i live with friends and i'm moving around and that's going to happen for at least a few more months and things are really changing for me in my family and other things. And it involves lots of under individuals. So obviously a podcast is not going to be, you know, the place to talk about that. But in terms of of coaching, yeah, I mean, it's, I think now you can learn a bit like with strategic intervention or or any reading you can do or listening to podcasts or going on different training days you can learn all about the experience of something, the experience of grief when you lose someone very close to you, the experience of, um, you know, burnout until you really go through, like really through, you know, like we're going on a bear hunt. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. And um, I'm in the midst of through, really going through it, which means I have like this, in terms of coaching, although sometimes it's obviously makes life, general life, very difficult. But in terms of coaching, I have a really um, keen understanding now or acute, I'd say, 
understanding of and and people I have worked with during this time and before coming with with big things now I kind of grasp the intricacies more the complexities the the being able to hold all these multiple moving parts um and I think it's just expanded my empathy in some way because of that and also my love to understand what what it is to to go through something and to be able to keep your heart open somehow and then sit with someone else who's going through something in a, in a coaching context it's really evolved my practice definitely and i think also it's just meant i somehow know better how to hold that space oh i'm not sure i can really explore it that well at this stage but there's a yeah an an empathy and a complex an understanding of complexity that i embody more than just know if that makes sense intellectually i really feel into it now somehow yeah i think awesome. you've, you've yeah <laughs> i think you've done a, i think you've done a really good job there joey of um of explaining it and anyone yeah most people who have been th- you know been been through difficult times whatever it is will recognize some flavor of that i think it's really beautifully explained joey and what i've learned sorry i'm just there's yeah. one thing that came to me when you said that people what I've really learned is the, I mean, I have a call, you're one of them, Robbie, we know, you know, I have a paid family. It's so, to have a, to have two coaches and a psychotherapist that I work with regularly, and that's been so important. I mean, without that experience and without that space and without those carefully facilitated spaces where I can go and really unfurl and unpack and explore and move forward, this would be a totally different, shut down, horrendously excruciating experience and so I also understand from a client's perspective or a thinker's how the importance of coaching and what it can do to really transform someone's life from the other side you know yeah. and we've all and as coaches that's what I really know we really have to do stuff we have to work on ourselves we can't be the coaches we want to be without doing the work on ourselves mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you glad you interrupted to say that um Joey, we're almost at the end of our time. I'm curious, before we wrap up, it, you know, I think those last couple of things we talked about are really beautiful places to, to kind of bring the conversation to a close. But is there anything that we haven't mentioned or anything you want to say to listeners before we before we say goodbye for today? I don't think so. Other than thank you for listening this far. This is a long form podcast and I'm always impressed when people listen all the way through. But, yeah. Um, if, if you, yeah, you get to the end, you, we'll give you a special, if you, if you email Joey and I now, we'll give you a special prize. I don't know what it is. But, uh, so <laughs> oh, I, okay. I, I always want to know for sure that people have listened to the end, you know, so like I'll give you a, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll come up with a special prize if you, if you email Joey uh, or me and say you got to the end. Um, no, lots of people will be, of course. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. But mostly, Joey, thank you for, yeah, like helping, you know, just shining a light on so much of the amazing work you've done, but also making it so um, applicable for people uh, all the way through. Really, really oh, such a pleasure to get into this with you. And I'm so excited to get to listen to you uh, interviewing people on the show um, yes. uh, in the future. Me too. As well. 
I'm excited about the evolution of the whole podcast. It's brilliant at the moment. Too. Yeah, yeah. As we're recording this, I just, it's funny, actually, look, we can say that. Um, as, as we're recording this, I, the first episode, which I am not on, has just come out today. And there's a very strange experience to listen to it. It had a great mixture of um, excitement uh, uh, and uh, slight regret, you know, because I think it's like, I was wondering if it's like, uh, <laughs> we've got a meeting tomorrow, haven't we, the host team? I was going to say this then. I was wondering if it's a bit like when you have older children and they kind of, you know, they go off and do things by themselves and you're like so proud of them for going off and doing, th- I get it with Leah already, she's only three. And yeah, yeah also kind of gutted that that she's not, you know, I'm not with her. So it, it's a little bit like that, but it's very exciting to see, see what's happening. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you'll be doing some of those interviews. But yeah, mostly Joey today, just thanks so much. Thank you. Hello, Robbie here again. A couple of quick things before you go on to whatever else you've got going on in the rest of your day. Uh, And that is, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then you might be interested in becoming a supporter of the Coach's Journey podcast or joining the Coach's Journey community. Both of those are ways to support the show, help it continue, help it reach more and more people, but they also give you other things that you might be interested in. If you become a supporter, which is paying a small amount of money every month, then you'll get advanced notice of guests, perhaps the chance to ask questions of guests, um, depending on what membership level you have, and and more monthly video updates from me, all kinds of other bits and pieces. And if you join the Coach's Journey community, then you get all of that, plus you get to be part of a group coaching program led by me um, and attend group coaching calls up to 10 times a year, have one-on-one coaching with me, and be part of a community of coaches who want to create thriving coaching businesses and thrive as people while they do it. And um, one of the members said recently that the word that keeps coming up in the members WhatsApp group is beautiful to describe those calls. And so um, I'd love to have you there on one of those calls. Um, and as a member of the community or a supporter of the show, it would mean the world to me and it helped me to keep doing this thing that I love to do and that many, many people have told me is really helpful for them. So thanks very much for listening and hope to have you back with us on the Coach's Journey podcast sometime soon.